Rogers scrambles He's left, winds up, runs the ball. He's got time at the 10 to the 5, yes. to the end zone. Touchdown, and a dagger. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning, fading shot. Up, gone for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Hey, old Packer fans, what's going on? Welcome to the Packers Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for diehard Packer fans by diehard Packer fans. I am your host, Trevor. You can find me on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. And I am joined, as always, with my two good buddies, Scott the Vanilla Gorilla and Tyler, a.k.a. T. Plush. You can find Scott on Twitter at Vanilla7Gorilla and you can find Tyler on Twitter at Tyler Kurth. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod. We do still have this contest for a Giannis jersey going on. Um, I think we need like 10 followers or something. Something. So go do that. Enter in the contest and you could win a free jersey. So you should probably do that. On today's show, we are going to look back at the Seattle game. Uh, just briefly, we're going to talk about a few things before that, including Elton Jenkins and Darnell Savage. And then, obviously, we're going to get to the bulk of the show, which is the matchup with the 49ers in the NFC Championship game in Santa Clara. Before we get to all that, how are you guys doing? I'm doing well. I For the last couple winters, I've done this weird thing where I try not to drink beer for a couple months. So this year, I found the loophole, and I'm now drinking liquor in January. So there's there's the catch. In case anyone oh. want to know about my alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> much, much healthier. It is. Less Good. calories. Yes. <laughs> Except the yeah. soda you're putting in it. Diet soda. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Got Just, shred for just the putting carcinogens in your body then. <laughs> yeah, something else will kill me besides that. Yeah, me. Um, <laughs> I... I'm also trying to go without beer, and it's making these podcasts a lot harder to do. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I am currently drinking a nice cold beer, so you guys can suck it, and I am enjoying the hell out of it. So have fun, Scott, not drinking a beer. Um, let's get into our Packers talk. The first thing I wanted to talk about was how great that crowd was on Sunday against Seattle. Um, it would have been really nice to have an NFC championship game there. Thanks Seattle for that one. Uh, but it was incredible. I heard multiple accounts of people saying that we're at the game. No one sat down the entirety of the game. Uh, it, it is wild. They were allowed. You can hear them on the broadcast. I just thought Packer fans really brought it and Lambeau was Back to its old glory, I think. there It was legit home field advantage for the Packers, and not only just the aura of Lambeau Field. It was it was really an incredible atmosphere, um, and the fans really did bring it. Did you guys have any thoughts on that? I'm glad you were listening because I was way too loud in my living room to notice how it was on the broadcast. It was 
one of the surprisingly few times Bryce has wanted to kick me out of the house for being too loud during sports, and last Sunday was one of them. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't hear the crowd because I was too loud, so I'm going to give myself a pat on the back. Yeah, they were, they were giving the team love, and the team was giving it right back. You could see them. Everyone was hyped. Um, I, I mean, I didn't expect any less from our Packer fans. It was cool to see a lot of uh, celebrities in the building, including future Buck Anthony Davis. That was pretty <laughs> cool. Um, it, it's, it's awesome to see. Um, it, it's a great time to be a Wisconsin sports fan, man, and, and I hope everyone's enjoying it. Um, knock on wood, this lasts a long time, but keep showing out for your team, showing them love. Yeah, I agree. And even with all of the talk of this isn't this is a bad thirteen and three team, worst one ever, whatever. I hope you guys enjoyed the ride this season because we have a first year head coach. This wasn't supposed to be the greatest team on the face of the planet. We have a first year head coach with a quarterback who is set in his ways and who was in a system for thirteen years, his entire career. So it, yeah, there was going to be growing pains. They weren't going to be fantastic, but they are thirteen and three now, fourteen and three with that win and going to the NFC Championship. So I really hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, and based on that crowd at Lambeau, I really think Packer fans are loving this. And hopefully, we have you know two more games left to to cheer on our team, maybe in our living room, so we can't even hear the TV. Uh, next, I just wanted to briefly mention. Um, Elton Jenkins and Darnell Savage because they were both selected to the Professional Football Writers of America all-rookie team. So that's different than um, some other awards that we'll hear later, like when the MVP is announced and things like that. But to be to get that honor, they're the first uh, Packers duo to get that since 2014 when Corey Lindsley and HaHa Clinton Dix got those awards. Um Hopefully, Darnell Savage proves to be a better player than HaHa Clinton Dix. But um, if we get Elton Jenkins to be the player Corey Lindsley is, um, that left side of the line is going to be unstoppable. And then you got Billy Turner and Brian Bulaga on the other side. Uh, who knows for how long with Brian Bulaga, but Jared Valdir has been playing really well. So the offensive line's looking great, and hopefully we can continue to see improvement from Darnell Savage because I think he's been good but he's also been a rookie I think he's made mistakes but overall I'm really excited about those two players um, and hopefully they can continue to grow and continue to get better throughout their time there um, let's move on to the Seattle game um, unless you guys have anything else on those two players that I missed otherwise Scott start us off for the Seattle game yeah, um, one takeaway thought from the game was our guy, our wide receivers showed up. Um, granted, Devontae Adams had basically all the catches. Um, our guys were actually holding on to the ball. So guys that we've almost come grown accustomed to letting the easy passes drop or just bounce off their hands like Jimmy Graham he was three for four. Geronimo was one for one, and MVS was one for one. Um, so, and then the one surprise, the often sure-handed Jake Kumaro was zero for one. 
So that was the lone outlier there, but of course I'm I'm being a little sarcastic. But um, guys stepped up big in our receiving core. It wasn't a huge sample size, but it was encouraging to see them actually make those catches when it mattered. Yeah, and Gmo held on to the ball. I was so glad exactly. when he fumble. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what the receiving core does this week, um, depending on the status of Alan Lazard, which I know we'll talk about in a little bit. But someone else might need to step up, you know, whether it's just with a couple catches or, I mean, even with Lazard on special teams, he does a lot, not just on the offensive end. So that'll be interesting to see who, if anyone, does. The only part I want to talk about with the Seattle game is I wanted to circle back to Jamal Williams. I know he only had like one really true drive, and yeah, he played nine offensive snaps against Seattle, and his season average is around 28 snaps. So usually he's kind of hovering in that a little bit higher range and kind of almost a 50-50 share with Jones, which I think when I kind of said it during the instant reaction pod, I'm like, okay, that makes sense. It's a playoffs. You got to get Aaron Jones, you know, majority of the snaps. Granted, he didn't have a, a big game or whatever, but that's fine. But that just kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. I'm like, nine snaps? That's really low. And I feel like there's way, ways we can incorporate both running backs at the same time on the field simultaneously into this offense. And I, I'm just not quite sure why we didn't do it um, for as good as he's been all year. Yeah, I I kind of get where you're coming from and wondering why he didn't get more snaps, but also it's Aaron Jones' show, and Matt LaFleur had those splits in the regular season for this moment, for the playoffs, so Aaron Jones can be healthy and out there and get the bulk of the snaps because now, at this point, at best you have two games left, so you have to have your best players out there, and I think we're going to see more of the same uh, in this 49ers game to your point, Scott, I just wanted to mention Alan Lazard did, he was listed as limited in practice. Sounds like he didn't do much in terms of team drills or anything. Uh, but he was at practice on the sidelines for the majority of it. So hopefully that is at least somewhat good news. Uh, probably with an ankle injury, I can't imagine he's going to be a hundred percent, but hopefully he can be out there because he's, proven to be very effective for us. I just wanted to mention a few things. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on any of them, but I just felt like these things needed to be mentioned the more I thought about the game um, and got out of my instant reaction phase and could think about it. The first one was I heard Packer fans, some Packer fans on Twitter, um, different reactions from interactions with my patients, things like that. I've Everyone said, they need to they need to figure it out in the second half. They need to play better in the second half. They played so terrible. They collapsed. They almost let them win. I I really didn't see a collapse from the Packers. I saw a future Hall of Famer in Russell Wilson absolutely play like a Hall of Famer. He was absolutely incredible. He is the only reason they scored 23 points. If they had Jimmy Garoppolo, I bet you they score eight points in the second half, maybe because they're having to go for two because they're down for so much by so much. I I really think that Russell Wilson was absolutely incredible. There is nothing you could do. Um, if you stopped him from running on the few times that they did, he was hitting Tyler Lockett or any of their receivers and getting uh, plays that way. And if you didn't, if you were able to cover, 
he would find a lane and he would run 20 yards down the field. I just, he was incredible. I do not think it was a collapse at all on the defense or offensive side of the ball. I just think Seattle came out to play and they're a good football team. Um, so it shouldn't be impressive. They were in that game for a reason. I just thought people were overreacting a bit to that. I think there is sometimes throughout the regular season that it did feel like that, but that game was not. That was all Russell Wilson um, in that Seattle game. Defensively, I thought they did extremely well limiting big plays, and that's going to be a huge, huge thing against the 49ers, especially against their receivers in Emmanuel Sanders and Debo Samuel. Those guys can get massive run after the catch. And then also, obviously, their best player in George Kittle. He is absolutely incredible. So if you limit the big plays, um, not saying if they limit big plays, they're going to win the football game. But if they limit big plays, it's going to make it a hell of a lot easier. I think Tyler Irvin needs to be involved. I think even as decoy, I think he can bring a lot to this team. And I know I'm, I've mentioned it probably for the past three weeks, but I think we are going to see hopefully some more from Tyler Irving. I think this has to be a game that Matt LaFleur literally throws everything at them. Every trick he's got, every interesting play design, he just has to throw everything at this 49ers defense because they are incredible. And then you get a bye before the Super Bowl if you're able to win this. So I think you just need to do everything and anything in your power if you're Matt LaFleur. Have a very intricate game plan and think of all of that stuff you've been saving, all the stuff you've been setting up for. We, we have to see it in this game because this defense is very good and without a good game plan, this offense, I it just isn't talented enough to beat this talented of a defense. Let's move ahead to the 49ers. Um, let's start... Kind of like we did last week. Uh, I know, Tyler, you weren't here for this setup, but we did Packers. We're going to start with Packers offense versus the 49ers defense. So I'm going to turn it over to you guys. You can start wherever you want. You can start with Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, uh, the receivers, Jimmy Graham, or the offensive line, and how uh, San Francisco's defense kind of compares and what you're looking for in those different matchups. Let's start with the line. <laughs> I'm going to start at the bottom of our list here, just because we like sexy offensive lineman talk, <laughs> which is a theme over last offseason. But I don't know. The, there's obviously the DVOA stats to go through, but, God, they're so quick, and they have so many playmakers on the San Francisco defensive side of things. And last time, I believe they had five sacks when the Packers and 49ers played. So... I don't know. How do you see this matchup playing out? Because I think it's obviously going to be one of the key factors of the game. Yeah, I I 100% agree. That's where winning and loss, winning and losing happen. It's in the trenches, both sides of the ball. Um, in most, if not every game in the NFL, I think it's extremely important unless you have an absolutely crazy talent at quarterback like Seattle has. Um which Russell Wilson almost did it, by the way. He almost was able to overcome their not-so-great offensive line play. But I do think it's going to be the most important thing to watch because I think defensively our line has some ability and should be able to get to Jimmy Garoppolo. But offensively, I think this is what everyone needs to focus on. This is what I am worried about. 
if the offensive line plays well, I think they have a chance of slowing down this pass rush. I do not think they're going to not let uh, Bosa or Armstead or any of those guys on that defensive line who are just incredible players and athletes. Someone's going to get to Rodgers, and it's going to happen. Obviously, you want to prevent the sacks, but I still think they're going to get probably three sacks. But if you're able to limit them, to three or less, I think you're in good shape. And those other times where he's not getting sacked, he's got to have some time and room to throw the ball so he's not constantly pressured on every drop back. They have to give him some clean pockets, and that's going to be the matchup to watch because as good as the Packers' offensive line is, and I do think they're one of the better ones in the league, Tyler mentioned DVOA. Um, in adjusted sack rate, they're top 10. So that's a pass rushing metric. They're a top 10 offensive line. Um, in terms of running the football and getting a push on the offensive line, they're sixth. And if you look defensively for San Francisco, uh, they are number two in adjusted sack rate. They're very, very good at getting to the quarterback, like I just mentioned. So the Packers need to play probably better than they have all year in order to slow that offense or that defensive pass rush down but I do think um, with the offensive line I think they have to open up some holes because even though it's not a big weakness at 13th in the league in adjusted line yards for the San Francisco defensive line I do think it is important to exploit that little bit of a weakness that they have they're slightly above average but That's their biggest weakness, it feels like, on the defensive side of the ball. So you got to get Aaron Jones going. You got to get Jamal Williams going if you if he gets some snaps. Um, You just have to get those guys going. Maybe Tyler Irving. I just think it's very important to blow them off the ball Um, when you're running the football. Slow them down. Make them think about the run so they're not able to just pin their ears back. And I think a big part of that. and this I kind of put in the Aaron Rodgers part of this is get out to a lead early because if you're getting out to a lead early um, and more importantly not getting down early, that allows you to stay in your game plan, that allows you to run the football and not become a pass-happy team because they became a pass-happy team uh, in Week 12 against the 49ers and obviously we saw what happened in that game. So I think they need to stay to their plan, run the football, and at least staying with 49ers early and not getting to a big deficit like they did is going to be extremely important. And hopefully that takes them out of their kind of shell that they play where they don't allow deep shots. Because if you're able to run the ball and they got to either bring another linebacker in or bring a safety up so they're not playing too deep, that's going to help you in the long run to be able to take those shots down the field. And if you're running the ball effectively, play action, those pass rushers can't get to Aaron Rodgers because they have to respect the run. And I think that has to be a big part of this offense, uh, both for Aaron Rodgers to feel a little comfortable and just this offense to move the football. Because like I said, that's the only big weakness I see in this defense. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I just took a quick peek back at our last matchup. And like you said, that was, it was a rough one. Um, it was middle of the season, so it. I mean, you can't totally compare. It's apples to oranges, but 
you look at what the Packers were able to do. The 49ers got to Aaron Rodgers uh, five total sacks um, on him for the Niners, uh, five tackles for loss. Um, lots of that's coming from their front line there. Um, but then you look at what the Packers were able to do on offense. Um, we got we got things going with Jamal Williams. Um, he stepped up big. He rushed um, for 45 yards, which wasn't a whole lot, but it led our team. Um, but he also stepped up big in our receiving game, uh, seven catches for 35 yards. Uh, so like you said, getting getting that run game going a little bit, we had 236 total yards last game. Um, just about half of those were rushing yards. We had the ball for 11 more minutes than the Niners, more first downs. Um, so it's it's going to be switching things up. Um, like like what you were saying, a, a lot of those things you mentioned are, are going to be key to our offense staying on the field, but also being productive because as I just said in our last game, we were on our offense was on the field a lot. They just couldn't really go anywhere with it. It seemed um, now. Um, I think that our offensive line is going to be huge, though. It, everyone's talking about the Niners' front um, front guys and how they get to all the quarterbacks. Um, I th- also think our wide receivers got um, got some matchups to really key in on for the Niners. Obviously, Richard Sherman's been pretty good this year. Um, we'll see how how the rest of our guys can handle against the rest of their um, backs. But um, why, don't we, why don't we move on to that now? What do you guys yeah, have th- on that? I think um, wide receiver-wise for the Packers, for C- or San Francisco – they play a lot of sides. They do not. Richard Sherman, for as good as he's been, even in Seattle, they never really. He never really shadowed anyone. He always played his side of the field, um, and he has played it extremely well. So I think you're going to see Devontae Adams line up on the left side of the offense. The offense's left side. Um, I believe Richard Sherman plays on the right side of the offense. So. I imagine we're going to see a lot of Devontae Adams on the left. Um, I think getting him in the slot, getting those mismatches are going to be important. Um, Obviously, we kind of talked about it a little bit with Alan Lazard. And like you said, Scott, you can't really compare these games. It's apples and oranges because, you know, the Packers didn't have Tyler Irvin. Alan Lazard wasn't a big part of this offense, and he is now. Um, And then on the other side, with San Francisco, like they, Emmanuel Sanders just came over. These are different teams. So I don't think you can look at the week 12 game and automatically assume San Francisco is going to absolutely blow the doors off the Packers again. I don't think it's going to be easy for the Packers to go there and win, but I do think there is a case for it. And earlier in the year, you know, a week, two, three weeks after this game, I was like, I really hope San Francisco loses before the Packers have a chance of seeing them in the playoffs because I didn't think we could go there and win. 
Um, but the way the Packers have been playing with against the Vikings, against Seattle, obviously that Lions game was pretty terrible. But I do think they have played well enough and players have been playing better. I think Alan Lazard is a big part of that. I think if Gmo, who I don't think should get a lot of opportunities, but if he catches his opportunities, um, he could have he could be good. Um, I know he had some drops in that first 49ers game. I think Jimmy Graham has been playing better of late and we didn't see hardly any of Jimmy Graham in that 49ers game. So I just think there's a lot more that could be happening and these teams are a lot different. And I just think having Devante not on Richard Sherman, because although I think he can beat Richard Sherman, plenty of times because he is elite, very elite receiver. I just think getting him on a lesser cornerback who he can really take advantage of is going to be important and just going to be awesome to watch him go to work like he did against Seattle because I think he could do that if he's on the opposite side of the field as Richard Sherman. It's interesting that you bring that up, Trevor, because at first that made sense, you know, working on the opposite side of Sherman. But then I thought, okay, well, what if we just have Devontae line up on the right side of the offense and just always work away, so work across the field. So whether or not the 49ers are in man or zone, Sherman just kind of always gets used to Devontae kind of running away from him per se. And that could help set something up later in the game. I mean, think about that slant to go route that Devontae scored a touchdown against Seattle. I mean, it's not like Richard Sherman's probably going to fall for something like that, but he could if if you get in his head and always have Devontae running away from him, it could set something up later in the game, um, which kind of seems like something you don't necessarily want to bank on, but um, I guess that'd be something to watch during the game. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we can sit here and talk about this, but it's not like we know what's going to happen. Um, I'm just We're just kind of spitballing and trying to figure out what the best – things the Packers could do to try to win this game. Because like I said earlier, I think the Packers can win this, but also it's not going to be easy. Let's talk about Aaron Jones. Someone take away the Aaron Jones talk. Well, you mentioned that the 49ers struggle against the run. So that's obviously an advantage for the Packers. And uh, Matt LaFleur definitely showed the ability to stick with the run. And Jones had over 20 carries against Seattle despite it not working. So I think that's a positive. You have to obviously get him going, and especially through the air too. I mean, he has had a lot of success, especially early on in the season, catching the ball. So using him in that regard it could play to the Packers' advantage as well. He's going to be big this game. I mean, he's... He's definitely a huge part of our team. Um, he's going to be extremely important as we talked about our rushing game. Um, and you talked about him getting the majority of the snaps. Um, <laughs> he, he's obviously got how he goes is how the Packers seem to go, right? I mean, he went off in that Cowboys game and we just fucking obliterated the Cowboys. So... Um, his last game, he got 38 yards on 13 attempts. Um, it's shouldn't be a surprise that we only got eight points. He, <laughs> he's scoring most of our points this year. So, 
um, how he goes is how we go, man. I I talked about it in the offensive line talk. I think he is going to be the key of this game, um, and more the running game is going to be the key because it's not all Aaron Jones. I mean, obviously he is an incredible back and can make a lot from nothing, but I do think it's going to be good or important for the Packers to be able to establish this. So this is with Aaron Jones. This is with Jamal Williams. This is with Tyler Irving. This is with Alan Lazard on end arounds. All of those different things, I think it's very important to get started, and it has to start with the offensive line. Um, And I, I do like that Tyler started with offensive line talk because I think it's important and especially in this game, it's going to be important not only establishing the run, but keeping Rodgers clean like we talked about. So I think we um, got enough information there. Let's switch to the other side of the ball. And one coming into this season that I didn't think I was going to be too excited about talking about, but this defense is so fun to watch, so fun to talk about. Um, so let's dive right in. This defense versus the 49ers offense. Tyler, why don't you take away what you're looking at first for the 49ers um, and what this defense can do to slow that down or what you think is going to be a problem for the defense? George Kittle. Yep. And in in case, well, you guys don't know because you're listening to this and not watching, but... In my notes, in my show notes, I said good fucking luck containing him, and that's good luck because he is incredible. Yeah, that's all we need to say about him. (laughs) (laughs) There's really not a whole ton that we can do. Um, Pressure Jimmy. That's that's our best shot at guarding uh, containing Kittle. Yeah, I don't really have a solution for how to contain him. If I did, I wouldn't be sitting here talking on this podcast. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's it's kind of just goes without saying, but it's kind of like the Tyler Lockett situation of last year. Just don't give up the big plays. Sure, you can let him kind of dink and dunk per se, make him rack up the yards that way, and that goes for their other receivers too. Because Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Samuel, they got some speed in their I mean, Sanders is a little bit older, but they he still has big play potential. So this defense has done a good job lately of limiting those. So, yeah, you're probably not going to contain them, and I don't expect them to, but at least don't give up a multiple 20-plus yard plays to any of the receivers. Yeah, and I mentioned it from that Seattle game. I think it's immensely important to limit those big plays. Make Jimmy Garoppolo hit those short, quick plays, but then after that, you need to make the tackles because a lot of times Jimmy Garoppolo is getting the ball out quick, it's on a slant, and they just take it to the house. So it's not it's not only letting them dink and dunk, but it's making the play after you allow that to happen. Obviously, we don't want to see the big plays over the top, but you also need to limit their run after the catchability. And all three of those guys we mentioned, George Kittle, Emmanuel Sanders, and Debo Samuel, all can make it happen after the catch. And, I mean, look back at that Saints 49ers game. George Kittle ran through that entire secondary on basically a flat route, an out route. Like, he is incredible. And, like we said, we're not going to be able to stop him. Um, 
I don't even know if we're going to be able to contain him. That's how good of a player he is. But I think if we're not able to slow him down even a little bit, I think that means we have to do our best to shut down those other two playmakers we've been talking about, Emmanuel Sanders and Depot Samuel, because they are very good players. Um, and I think coverage-wise, it's kind of interesting. I think Jair is a better matchup for both of those players. Um, if I had to guess, and they don't shadow, Jair hasn't really shadowed one player an entire game this season, but I do think he is a slightly better matchup on Debo Samuel um, and then have Kevin King on Emmanuel Sanders. I think that makes a little bit more sense. And for all the complaints and not happy with Kevin King, I think he's played really, really well down the stretch. He's going to give up plays. He's a cornerback in the NFL. All cornerbacks give up plays. Darrell Rivas gave up plays. Richard Sherman gives up plays. Like, Cornerback is very, very, very challenging, and you are not going to shut down an opposing offense, opposing wide receivers every single game. It's just not going to happen because those players get paid and they are very talented themselves. So I I do understand. I understand it a lot more early in the year, but recently he has been playing extremely well, and you know that's who we have. He is the second-best corner on this team. And it'll be interesting to see if they're able to slow those two down because if you're not able to slow down any of those guys, it's not going to be close. And it's probably going to look something like 37 to 8 like it did in week 12. But I think that's where Mike Pettin has to get pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo. The offensive line is pretty good in San Francisco. Adjusted sack rate is 8th. If you remember, the Packers adjusted sack rate for their offensive line um, what is now I can't find it. This is great. They are 10th in adjusted sack rate. So, uh, San Francisco is a little bit better in that Packers D line is 12th in adjusted sack rate. Um, and that kind of surprised me because Zedarius has been unreal recently and Kenny Clark has been really good as well. So that'll be an interesting note to watch. And then for the run, the offensive line for San Francisco is 15th in the league, and obviously the Packers is not very good. They're 31st, and this is regular season stats. So that'll be another interesting thing to watch because Kyle Shanahan is a run-first type of offense, play action off of it, and if that sounds familiar, it should because that's Matt LaFleur's offense because he comes from that Kyle Shanahan school. So do you guys have anything else I think – we have to mention the run game. Do you have anything on the run game? Because this is what this team is built from. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, they finished the league in the league second in rushing attempts during the regular season, and they are the most stubbornest running team I've ever seen. You look at how they did against the Vikings last week. They had 47 rushing attempts. Their longest rush was 11 yards. And yet they still managed. They had one. They had one drive that was eight plays, all rushes, ended up in a touchdown. So even when the running game doesn't seem like it's working, they're doing just enough to keep it moving, which can obviously be very, very frustrating for a defense. So yeah, when you say they're built to run, they they don't panic when they only pick up two, four yards a carry and just 
slowly chip away at you. I mean, that's how you tire a defense out. So, I mean, this defense is going to have to be good situationally. When there's a third and one, you have to stop them. You can't let them gain that small little momentum and slowly just chip into your endurance and eat your soul away like they tend to do to many teams. So you have to be good situationally. And this defense all year has been pretty damn good situationally. Third downs, red zone, they've been good at preventing touchdowns in the red zone, uh, forcing teams to kick field goals. They've been very good at that. So it'll be interesting to watch. I think this, both this defense for San Francisco and this offense creates some interesting like situations for this Packers team because there's certain areas where they are just so incredibly good and it's if the Packers can show up and play well. Um, it's if their stars can show up. Kenny Clark, Zedarius, Preston Smith all show up. Jair and Kevin King have good days on the back end. Adrian Amos, Darnell Savage are solid. And Blake Martinez plays how he does in the run game. I think the Packers can really slow down this offense. Um, and I think a lot of that is getting at Jimmy G, like Scott mentioned earlier. I think that's very important. But also, when they're not doing, when they're not running the ball or play, throwing play action, a lot of their passing game is quick. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. How, how do you get to him when the only thing they're doing is play action, which it's when they have a good running game, it's tough to just pin your ears back in those situations. And then also in the short passing game, it's tough to get to a quarterback in a short amount of time. So those are all in, will be interesting things to watch. Obviously, this is a more skillful team than Seattle, uh, especially in the skill positions. Obviously, Seattle has a much better, more elusive mobile quarterback in Russell Wilson. So I do think that makes it a little bit easier because Jimmy Garoppolo is a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. He's definitely above average, probably a top 10 quarterback in this league. Um but at this point in his career, I don't think he's much higher than that. Maybe top eight, but he he's not a top five quarterback in this league yet. I think he could be, but I think that's where the Packers' biggest advantage are because we go through this, like Tyler mentioned, their run game is good. Their offensive line is average to above average in running and pass protection. Their wide receivers in Emmanuel Sanders, Debo Samuel, very good. George Kittle, Best tight end in the league. Jimmy G is where they're weak on the offensive side of the ball, in my opinion. And that'll be a very interesting thing if they if the Packers defensive line and pass rush can get him rattled early. I think that's going to be the key. Just like on the offensive side for the Packers, I think getting Aaron Jones going and hopefully getting out to a lead early, I think is going to be extremely, extremely important uh, looking at this game. So unless you guys have anything else, let's get to the game predictions. One second, Joe. I do have one more thing. Um, let's. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention um, the giant chip on his shoulder of our very own Aaron Rodgers. Uh, of course, on draft night, having some words for the 49ers. Um, now, in the past, he hasn't really gotten them back in the playoffs, but um, it's late in his career. Now we're the underdogs. I think 
all the Packers know that everyone's doubting them. Aaron's got this lifelong grudge against the 49ers. You got Zadarius, who's got a grudge against the voters. Um, I, I think our whole team's got just these... Um, there's this huge meaning to everyone right now. Um, outside of skill, outside of talent, I think that there's a lot for these guys to play for this coming week. So that could make a huge difference in the game. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. As a team, there's a chip on the shoulder. Um, you mentioned Aaron Rodgers and Zadarius. And then just as a whole team, you can't tell me they haven't heard the worst 13-3 and team ever um, all of that stuff they have, they, they know what's out there. Um, this whole team has a chip on their shoulder. And by the way, this team absolutely loves each other and is going to go out there and play for the guy next to them. And I think that is immensely important and they are talented. I don't think they're as talented as San Francisco. Um, and it's probably not that close. I think San Francisco, I mean, they were drafting in the top five for how many years? So of course they're going to have more talent, Um, but this team as a whole is, I think is a very good football team. I think they have a chance to win in San Francisco when national media is giving them no chance at all. Uh, Vegas has the line at seven and a half right now. San Francisco is favored by over a touchdown, which seems a bit much to me. I know the last time was terrible, but I think there was a lot of circumstances that made that game terrible. I think the, fumble on the first drive there was a lot of drops in that first half that just killed drives and didn't allow them to move the football I think they had outside of that fumble their next two or three drives were all uh three and outs and drops played a big part in that so I just think this team is better than what they were then and they are playing together and like like we were saying, they have a massive chip on their shoulder and they're going to have all the intensity and they're going to show that they belong in this game. And hopefully that means the Packers win. With that said, let's get to our predictions. Tyler, why don't you start us off? Yeah, this is by far the hardest prediction we've had to do all year. And we've been talking for 40 minutes now about how if the Packers play their like almost their greatest game, we'll win and yada yada yada. How the 49ers are more talented, um, but I think the X factor for me is I'm going to predict 31 to 28 Packers win. I think Matt Lafleur is going to call a crazy game, and I think Kyle Shanahan is too. I see the teams trading blows a lot in the first half, not necessarily through trick plays that like generate touchdowns, but generate good chunk amount of yardages so I see 21-21 at the half and then the game kind of settles in in the second half Packers are able to put up 10 points to the 49ers 7 come the second half which results in a three-point victory okay I like the optimism um I am trying to be unbiased about this um it's hard to Despite what I said earlier, it's hard to discount what happened in our previous matchup and just seeing how the Niners play on both sides of the ball. They are an elite team. Um, As much as I want the Packers to win, as much of a great story it would be for them coming in with all these chips on their shoulder, I am going to say the Niners win 35-24. to Well, I... 
think I looked it up earlier in the year, so don't quote me on this, but I believe Matt LaFleur is going to be the third coach in Super Bowl era to make it to the Super Bowl in his first year. And I am not really confident, but I am optimistic that the Packers can put together a, a whole game. I am confident that Matt LaFleur is going to have a much, much better game plan uh, than he did in Week 12 against the 49ers. I think that's going to play a big part. Like Tyler said, I think he's going to have a great game calling plays. And I think with that whole chip on their shoulder and then playing awful the last time they were in Santa Clara, I think the Packers are just going to have a good game. And even that good to great game for the Packers, it's going to be a one-point victory. I think the Packers win 28-27. The defense holds out on two possessions um, in the red zone where San Francisco, you know, in the third quarter or earlier has to settle for field goals. And the Packers, because they held them on those two possessions, are able to win the game. Um, And offensively, like it has been all year, they do just enough to win the football game. I think the defense um, is going to play a huge role. Like I said, they're going to get those two stops in the red zone. And Aaron Rodgers is going to march this team down, uh, make it 28-27. to Uh, late in the game, about two minutes left or so, and the defense is going to make a big play. Big interception from none other than Kevin King to win and seal the game and seal their fate to Miami for a Super Bowl game that they're going to win as well. So doesn't matter, okay? that I just talked myself into a Super Bowl victory. So if that doesn't happen... Don't expect a lot of Packers podcasts because I'm going to be all up in my feelings if they lose this game. <laughs> um, but until we are recapping this game and another uh, tip for you listeners, you're probably if the Packers win this, you're probably going to want to keep the volume a little bit on the low end to start the podcast because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of yelling from all three of us if the Packers can pull this out. Um, and hopefully they will. Make sure you're cheering loud. Make sure you're louder than your TV so you can't hear the fans like Tyler was this past Sunday. Um, and just enjoy it. Remember, this is a first-year head coach. This team was not supposed to be in the NFC Championship. They probably weren't even supposed to be in the playoffs with a first-year head coach. That just it doesn't happen all the time. Enjoy the ride. Enjoy the game. And hopefully, don't stress out too much. And hopefully, we're going to be back in a Super Bowl and a chance to bring the Lombardi Trophy home. Until next week, Monday, go Pack Go. Go Pack. Our Jimmy G is better.